Aloha and welcome to the Hawaii Shoots podcast called How Do You Shoot That? On this episode, we have Ryan Kalate Suji of RKT Media. He's built an amazing company somewhere between news media and marketing, and it's amazing to hear his journey to getting to where he's at today. I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I do. Without further ado, here is Ryan Kalei Tsuji. Yeah, so the main reason I wanted to bring you in here is because you've started your own little media company and it's grown like gangbusters all around the islands here, um, doing some really, really cool things for um, high-level clients as well as startups. And um, you yourself as a startup kind of in a different space than you used to be Mm -hmm. in media. Um, So you've been doing a lot. Real, real quick. Can you tell me all about Ryan Kalate Suji and RKT Media? Yeah, uh, yeah. It's it's been kind of a whirlwind. Uh, it's hard to believe that it's already been sort of coming on three years in March. But you know, it it wasn't something that I thought would become what it is today. Honestly, um, and the company and our vision has evolved as media trends have evolved and as we've gone out and seen different things and met with different people and filling the needs of our clients. But, you know, for my own background, you know, I come from a television background, having done morning news, um, having been, you know, and continue to cover UH sports. And it's always been in front of the camera and um, never really behind the scenes and and never really got into the whole production side more in, in terms of delivering content in front as a reporter. And so, you know, after I left the news, I went in, into government and I started working for the governor. I worked on his first campaign when he ran against Neil Abercrombie. Uh, and then after he we successfully won that campaign, I, I worked for him um, as his director of executive management. So I was working for him for two years. And, you know, it was it was OK. It was it was a obviously a, a great job to be in. And I got to meet a lot of cool things. I got to go to the White House and meet the President Obama, you know, some great stories and great experiences, but I just didn't feel like it wasn't ultimately what I wanted to be doing. And sort of this idea popped into my head about RKT Media and event coverage and just what I saw while working for the governor while also relying on experiences that I had in the news media and how companies were looking for coverage, but there just wasn't anyone out there or the news themselves couldn't do. So we kind of found this space in event coverage that, you know, we went out and I I had this idea to go on and cover events, but also become a supplier to the news stations, a distribution channel for them to give them content while also providing our content, our clients with digital media content. So it kind of started off as that centered on on event coverage. And it's definitely grown over time to include a lot more. Very cool. Um, so, so taking us a step further back, I, I think I first met you when I was working on a documentary for Hawaiian, Hawaiian Airlines covering the Wahine Volleyball mm-hmm. team. Um, and you were working with K5 mm-hmm. um, and you were also working at UH with, mm-hmm. with the team. Um, talk to me a little bit about that and how you got started in media altogether. Yeah, so it, it I never really had planned to go into media at all. Uh, my background in college, I had, uh, you know, sort of the, the story was I was going to play for the UH men's volleyball team. My senior year in high school, I got injured and the doctors told me I wouldn't be able to play like any professional or anything like comp- competitively for at least a year while I rehabbed. And so I'd already committed to UH. And so I emailed Dave Shoji and Charlie Wade, who was his assistant coach at the time and said, hey, I was supposed to play on the men's team. Do you have something on the women's team that I could help? I could just be 
you know, ball shagger, I can help coach, whatever. And they had a manager scholarship available. So I decided to go that route. I got my school paid for and decided to just stick it out and kind of went into coaching. And so I was with the Wahine volleyball team for eight seasons where I worked under Dave Shoji um, and worked my way up from a manager to a student assistant to an assistant coach. And it was during that time that, you know, I got my degree, my master's. And eventually when I left there, um, it was just around the time during my last season at UH was also when Chris McLaughlin, who does the color commentary, actually took a year off to coach at Stanford where his son was playing. So he went up there. And so there was this gap where they needed a color commentary, uh, com- a color commentary person. And so John Fink called me up from K5 and said, hey, I know you worked with the women's team. Can you fill in um, and just try this out? And so, you know, when I went on air with Jim Leahy covering Guayani volleyball the season after I left, it was my first time doing anything like that. And so that sort of began me getting into media and then led to me getting into news with Hawaii News Now. I did worked in their sports department for six months and then I went over to KITV. So it's not something I ever thought would happen. It just kind of happened. Yeah. It's an amazing story. Uh, I think today uh, kids are coming up with this YouTube era, not really watching as much TV. So they're a little unfamiliar with that. I would call it more the traditional route of, of thinking about broadcast as kind of the first place you want to step into. Um, what, what was that like for you even just growing up in a, a different era and kind of seeing this transition now? Yeah, I think that's the hard part right now for media in general. Um, they're in this transition phase where, where the news media is trying to find a way to still be traditional and, and do the things that they did while also being digital and finding ways to promote stories and do things digitally. And so I think they're trying to navigate through that. And for me to be in the midst of that, um, I saw firsthand the demands of that the news stations place on reporters these days. I don't think people realize the amount of work that goes into it because you're having to crank out not just one story that you see these reporters do on air. They're doing three to five stories a day now um, because newsrooms are smaller. And in addition to that, they have to do a website where they're having to also promote and do web features and web articles. And it's it's tough. It's a tough field to be in. And and part of the reason I got out of news was just because it was just too taxing and it's it's not sustainable. You see like the turnover in the news stations are just so high um, just because the quality of life is is, is rough because you're just grinding. Um, so in a way, I think it helped prepare me for starting my own business. But at the same time, it has allowed me to see just this balance that people are trying to navigate between traditional media and this new age of digital media. It's so awesome to hear that you've you've taken kind of this um, this longstanding video uh, enterprise, which is news, and have shifted that and made it a little bit more contemporary, more digestible, I think, for today's audiences and, and skirt this fine line between um, how, they're, how they've done it, how they're still doing it, and, and how people want to actually consume it now. Yeah, you know, I think that for us, you know, the stations kind of love it for them because we're giving them free content, essentially. Uh, but I think one of the things that make us unique is really the breadth of our team. You know, so it's not just me by any means. You know, I have a team of 10 former reporters and anchors who have years of industry experience, um, who have relations with the news directors and the newsrooms and the producers that are working these shows. And so for us, having those relationships uh, and and maintaining them and being able to supply them with content has only helped um, their product because now they 
have a wider range of things that they're showing on air. But it also helps our clients because our clients are now getting the opportunity to be seen on television and through the content that we produce online. Because, you know, I always tell our clients that as important as it is to try to get on TV, it's almost even more important to get online and to put your video online. Because a lot of times the first things that people do when they want to know who you are is they'll Google you. And so these videos are the ones that help to populate that message and uh, the more content that these clients can have, be it on air or online, I think it only benefits them. So walk me three, three years, maybe four years back in the making, um, you had this idea. Mm-hmm. Talk me through that process of there, there's this vacancy or there's this void in this space and how, how you got this, this idea of building RKT, what it, what it was, what it became, and what it is today. Yeah, it literally was just like one night before I went to bed. I mean, I still remember vividly, I was just thinking about, you know, I, I think I was helping to plan an event, and I was trying to think, how are we going to get this on the news? And then I thought, well, if we filmed it ourselves, and we gave it to the stations, they would run it. And then I was like, wait, but nobody's doing that, you know? And and then I began to think through it more and more. And you know it's you know it's something that you're passionate about when you just don't sleep and you keep thinking about it. I, I don't think I slept that night. I just got up. I started taking notes about different things that we could do, packages that we could create, how we would format it. And initially when I started, uh, you know, the very after I had that thought, the very next day I went into work. And at the time, um, you know, our COO and executive vice president, Yasmin Dar, worked with me at the governor's office as well. And we worked together at KITV. And so she was the first person I told him, like, hey, I have this idea. Like, and I pitched it to her and she said, I think this would work. And initially I thought I could do both. I thought I could work in the governor's office, which is like thinking back to it was just really ambitious. But I thought I could start this company and work for the governor at the same time and then kind of see if it would materialize and, you know, eventually move on. And I knew that if I wanted this company to succeed, I'd have to jump all in. Like I I wouldn't have been able to just kind of dabble in it and be a side thing. I needed to almost like my life was on the line and just pour into this because if not, it wasn't going to happen. And so I decided to give up my position to work on this company. And in the beginning, it was rough. I mean, I scheduled six meetings a week I tried uh, with just companies that I would call, people I had relationships with. And, And I will say that, you know, working for the governor's office did allow me to meet a lot of people and make a lot of contacts. I don't know that I would have been able to get into Bank of Hawaii or Hawaiian Airlines or these companies had I not had that experience working for the governor and also through my television experience and and people kind of knowing who I was. So that I think I I was very fortunate to have that helped to get us in. And and once we got, you know, some of the, the, our first three clients were Hawaii Business Magazine, Hawaiian and Servco. Once those three kind of agreed to like take a risk and and work with us uh it kind of helped from there and then things just became a lot more easier so you do events um but you do so much more so in like the little soundbite version of the explanation what does rkt media do so we've sort of expanded from just doing events to creating digital content for our clients uh, and helping through that distribution of on air and online so through events we'll distribute it to on air, we'll distribute it to the media, but we help our clients get online by not only covering events, but also producing videos and other digital content that helps garner just overall exposure and traction. And you've also kind of expanded um, in this this partnership, even with Hawaii News Now being 
um, in some of those this, this digital signage, right? Oh, so the digital billboard network, yeah. the Star Advertiser. Yeah, it's just Honolulu Star Advertiser. So um, that is a completely separate entity. It's not actually part of RKT Media. Um, you know, the Star Advertiser approached me, I think, when they saw the success that our company was the company was having. And so, um, yeah, so now, you know, we're in this other digital space now where the, the newspaper industry is also struggling and they're looking for ways to create new revenue. So they began doing a digital media platform where they are replacing their kiosks with video monitors. And my colleague, Yenji Denise and I, we, per, you know, we do a, a once a day news update um, with the paper. And so it's just another way to keep, con you know, um, people informed of what, what's happening. But it's not a part of RKT. It's kind of its own standalone branch. Got so, it. Got it. Yeah. Um, and you also produce um, some kind of brand content, marketing content for other businesses as well, for their own portfolios, their own marketing purposes. Yeah. So we, a lot of times, we'll work hand in hand with companies because it's, it's so much more than just, um, you know, just a video. A lot of times it's a part of a larger campaign. So if we can play a role in helping to develop what that campaign looks like um, and helping to facilitate you know, a, a plan of action, then, you know, we, we try to do that and we try to help on in that way. One, again, one of the, the unique things that I think that I'm very fortunate to have is, is our team of reporters are just so skilled and so experienced that a lot of companies will have to hire a PR agency, then they'll have to do find a voiceover talent, and then they'll maybe have to find a host, and then the video, where we're kind of all of that in one. Our reporters can do the story, they can write it, they can track it, they can be in front of the camera, and it's easier for these clients where they're not having to go through a whole gamut of auditions and casting calls and, and try to figure out how they're going to do that. We, we kind of just do everything in-house. Yeah, streamlining the process seems to be something that all clients need and, and yeah, want definitely. passionately. Um, and, and on the other side of things, uh, you've also been in the film side of things. Yeah. Um, talk to me about Rise of the Wahine and, and Dean and, and how that all came together. Well, it actually came about through that project you're talking about earlier, right, uh, with Hawaiian Airlines. And, and Dean sort of saw this vision of this movie while doing that story for Hawaiian Airlines on the Rahimbo Wahine volleyball team. And he had approached me, Dean and I, you know, our friends, we go way back. And, and he had, you know, he'd known about my background with the Wahine volleyball team and knew that I knew the players and coaches. And so, it started off like, hey, can you get me in with Dave Shoji? I want to interview him. I want to interview, you know, some of the former players. And from there, we kind of felt like there was a story here that, that could be developed. And so we began what became a seven-year journey of developing this documentary called Rise of the Wahine that tell the story of the first Wahine volleyball team and really the story of gender equity in athletics and Title IX and being able to um, bring that story to the forefront. People like Donis Thompson and Patsy Mink, um, these women of Hawaii that helped to change the landscape at, in athletics for women throughout the country um, is, is really what the film is about. And, and, you know, we're still working on it. We released it last year officially, and we're still doing screenings. And for me, being a producer on that film, I learned a lot. You know, you learn a lot about how to put together production and how to facilitate interviews and, and try to get the most out of the time. And um, it, it was a journey, but it, it's, it's been definitely rewarding. Yeah, you, you've had a lot of experiences that came from, you know, getting, getting injured, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, not being able to necessarily follow your dream of being a professional athlete. Um, but you've seen that that little detour kind of launch you into this whole different space. Talk to me about like any other failures or any other things that might have seemed negative at the time, but have helped propel you. 
Yeah, you know, I think that one of the best things that I always say is, is perspective, because at the times I think that we often get so caught up in what's happening now that we don't realize that the things that are helping or hurting us are eventually only going to benefit us more in the end because we have that perspective to look back. And and certainly, you know, my injury was one of those things. Had I played, I would not, not be where I am today, for sure. I would not be able to go. I would have not gone down that path. Um, but, you know, there, there are there have been other instances where we have within our company as well tried to do something that maybe just wasn't a hit uh, and, and didn't work out. I, I think a lot of it when you start doing business is a lot of just trial and errors where you um, have to put it out there and you have to kind of see where it goes. And, and a lot of times if you're not pouring yourself into it, if you're not really invested in it, it I, don't, I don't think you can expect for it to grow as much. So I think in all the failures that I had, a lot of times it's because I've tried to do multiple things and I've just taken on too much. And, and it's always been my sort of mantra where I have to kind of scale back and sort of reevaluate what are what are the things we're good at? What are the things that I am doing and just focusing on that and not try to do everything and be everything for everybody? Yeah, I think slowing down has been a, a mantra for a lot of people these days. We've We've been so used to thinking that you know, if, if I'm not busy, I'm not successful mm-hmm. almost. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what are some of the daily practices or, or routines that you go through just, you know, as Ryan that help you get ready for the day or for the week? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. I, I'm still trying to figure that out. <laughs> um, I think one of the most important things for me, though, is is I have to prioritize like where things are. Um, and, and I have to figure out a way to be smart with my time. And so even with you know video company i i always tell our 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 team anything that we have to deal with interaction with clients you have to do during the day you can't expect to contact them at night you can't do emails at night because you're not going to get responses and it's only going to back you up and so you know one of the things i learned is just overall management in in trying to manage my schedule any sort of interaction any sort of things where i need to communicate you know i try to block out during the day and then other things, projects where we have time where we don't necessarily need uh, feedback or we don't need that interaction can be done later at night. Because as an entrepreneur, you're like working nonstop. There's no time in and time out. The other thing that I also make a point to do is just make time for yourself, like make time for myself. Um, so for me, it's, it's working out. It's playing beach volleyball. You know, I try to carve out time where I really make sure that I don't schedule things around that time where at least I can just sort of decompress because if not, I would drive myself crazy and I'm the type of person that always wants to stay busy. So I would have eventually found something else to occupy that time. So I will block off parts of my day where it is just committed to um, working out or being with friends. Um, and, and for me, uh, another big part is just giving back. I serve on four different boards um, and and I really try to make that a part of my um, contribution uh, is just really being involved in the community and in the organizations I am. I think a lot of the people that either listen to this show or are familiar with Hawaii Shoots in general come from the the filmmaking or like the cinematography, photography background. Uh, you actually came from a different side of things, being in front of the camera, being in, in media in a different space. And I like to tell people that this industry is is so wide open. Like you don't have to start in one particular space to end up where you want to be. And you've built this entire production company, um, not from a cinematographer or director's perspective necessarily, but mm-hmm. just by seeing a vacancy, filling that void and building a team around you to to make that happen. 
How did you find the right people to build out your team? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is trust. I mean, everybody that I work with, I have had years of experience with, especially with our, our core team. Um, like I said, Yasmin and I worked together at KITV. Uh, so did our chief communication officer, Joe Komoto. We were also on the same show together. You know, we've known each other for years. And, and oftentimes it can get scary working with your friends because, you know, you like to keep that separate. But sure. I think we understand um, and trust each other. And I think that's the biggest thing is you have to surround yourself with people you can trust, especially when your name is attached to a company or you're you're you are essentially giving up the things that you work so hard on and now putting other people in those roles to represent you. And so, you know, we are very diligent about picking the right people that we feel are a good fit for us and that are, are proud to brand be branded amongst our company. Um, but I think, yeah, surrounding yourself with the people that you ultimately know that if something were to happen to you, if you go get sick or you're out for a week or a month or whatever it may be, that things will continue on because you can trust them. And I, I definitely have that support and, and a, a wonderful team that kind of helps to carry it. You know, there's probably a, a fifth grader and a seventh grader and a 12th grader right now that that will one day be the next Ryan Kalinsuji <laughs> or, or walking. Feel bad for them. <laughs> <laughs> to try to get to, to that place. Um, what kind of recommendations, what kind of um, insights would you give them uh, in, in the beginnings of their entrepreneurial dreams? Yeah, I think, you know, for anybody, um, for any sort of industry, like I said, it, it has to be something that you're passionate about. It has to be something that you are going to want to put your career and, and livelihood on the line, you know, like giving up a paycheck and saying, OK, I'm going to try this and I have to make it work. And and if, um, you know, if, the, if that's something that you're that passionate about, then I think it'll only help you to succeed. The other thing I would suggest is just connecting with people who can help mentor you. I, you know, I've been lucky enough to have so many mentors throughout my careers in various industries that have given me feedback, who I've approached. Um, even when launching this company, you know, I met with about 10 different people from both the video side as well as a business side just to kind of get their thoughts. Because like you said, I came from a different side. I didn't come from behind, you know, working in production side. And so I had to meet with different videographers that I've worked with in the past to talk to them about, is this possible? Like, can you shoot an event in two hours and turn something around for me in an hour and a half after the event ends? Um, how would that look like? Learning how all those other things are important because if you're going to be, if that's gonna be your company, you have to understand every facet. So finding mentors, finding people that you can talk to about what you wanna pursue before it happens is, is critically important, I think, so that you can learn from other people's success and failures. That's, that's an amazing insight. Um, one, one of the other things that people initially overlook is the cost of doing business mm -hmm. and, and figuring all of that out. I mean, we're, we're still figuring that out today. Yeah. Uh, wh whether that's just normal overhead or your, your team or even, even scheduling and budget for you to take your breaks. Mm -hmm. um, how, how do you guys or how did you first start uh, coming up with ideas for budgeting and, and for thinking about projecting out for, for years to come um, yeah, and building your, your team and your business? Well, the, the biggest thing for me was like I wanted to limit our, my just overall overhead. So I didn't want to necessarily have an office or have to, you know, I, I wanted to limit the amount of money that initially when we started off that would put me in a deficit. Mm -hmm. So when I built our packages and when we built things, it was always 
where we weren't point paying anything out, where we were always just gaining. So we would pay our contractors out, which what our, what our clients would pay us, but then we would also make money on our end for the company-wise. So we weren't necessarily taking in any debt. There wasn't any startup costs, so to speak, because we had made a contracts and agreements with our videographers that they would do all the work, um, supply the material, because I wanted to start off on a positive base. I didn't want to have to work myself out of that. Um, but, you know, just like you said, finding the, the right starting price point is, is difficult. And and for us, we're not, there are videographers and there, there are people out there in this industry where they just, you know, if they can find one or two jobs a month, then that will help sustain them for a few months um, because of the high po- uh, price point that they charge. For us, it was more volume. We weren't going to be a company that's going to do these high quality video shoots. While we the work we do is is great for social and great for on air, you know, we're not the commercial. We're not coming in with commercial lighting and, and all, you know, a gripper and all this thing. You know, we we have at the most a three-person band um, that's going in there. And so I wanted to make sure that we differentiated ourselves that way, that we were more sort of a run-and-gun kind of team where we would put, bring our price points down, but we would just crank out way more volume um, because we would have more work to sustain us. And I think that's the thing that resonated with our videographers is because of the fact that, they now had a consistent um, job. You know, a lot of times people in this industry, you're working, if you're not doing this full-time and a lot of times there's part-time, there's not a lot of work going around and a lot of times you're wondering when that next job is so you can pay that bill. For us, being able to guarantee our contractors that they'll get at least one job a week was something that they would never had. So I could bring that price point down because overall they're going to be getting paid more because of the volume that they're doing. So it, it was sort of a switch in mentality, but I felt like that was what would work for us because, again, in this industry, um, you know, we, we had to come in lower than what everyone else was. But again, our product is not necessarily the product that you're going to expect all the time when you're paying for those big budget productions. And, and you're enabling people, you're, you're providing opportunities that they might have never had mm-hmm. um, as, as a videographer, cinematographer. And, and I think that part of it feels feels nice because you're, you're giving back to these people as, as well mm-hmm. by building what you're building. You're, you're growing the industry at the same time. Yeah, I mean, it, it's been great to see, you know, I can say that for the most part, we've, we continue to work with the same videographers that we did at the very beginning. Um, you know, there may be one or two that have sort of broken off and, and now are doing their own thing, which is great because, you know, they're trying to do and, and start off their own, their own thing. And, um, you know, so for us to be able to establish those relationships and, and then a lot of them are still doing their own side gigs, but they, they'll still work with us. And, you know, we've grown together as well. We've learned a lot through this process and the things that we do and, and how we make things work. And, um, you know, we just brought on a full time director of videography and, and you know, he's going to be working with our, our videographers and, and just try to make sure that we can help again to streamline things and um, really use best practices and, and using new of programs and files and, and different things like that that are just going to help service our clients better. Super cool. What other um, tools do you use for either keeping in touch with your team or, or your your uh, freelancers, even mm-hmm. your clients? Like what are some of the, the tools you use, whether they're apps on your phone or? Yeah, so we use a project man- management tool that's been really helpful to us uh, called Monday. Um, I saw it like on an ad on YouTube and yeah. there it goes. It just shows the power of, you know, digital media. I yep. just, it was one of those things that came up before 
and it was really catchy and I took a look at it. We were using another program that just wasn't really fitting for us and we love it. I mean, it's it's such a great project management tool. I have a friend that's in the um, building industry and he does it for his projects that, you know, as, as a contractor. And so it, it works perfectly for us because it's it allows for independent contracting. It's visual. We can see where the progress is. We can track, um, you know, edits and things like that on there. Um, and, and the other thing for the video side for clients, you know, there, there's been sort of this evolution in video sharing. So, you know, Dropbox now allows comments on there. So there's Vimeo. So there's Frame.io. Um, there's a number of programs out there that now supply and allow clients to make edits on videos that I think is so much easier now for all of us. And they're not sending us an email of 10 pages of, well, it's not 10 pages, hopefully, yeah. of 10 pages of edits, <laughs> but, you know, different kinds of requests for edits. So. Yeah, it's amazing how technology has advanced, yeah. um, and it's it's definitely allowed us to do a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like even for, you know tools like Frame, like Whipster, all of these common things. I mean, they save us tons of time yeah. uh, working with clients and, and shaping the products that they ultimately need. Yeah, it, it's been it's been great, and and I think that. Um, you look at it, these companies are new too, right? Yeah. They, they're starting off. So we're all kind of in the same boat. We provide feedback to them like, hey, can you add this feature? Like, you know, just because I think if they recognize and they know firsthand what we are going through and, and how they can assist us, um, you know, they, they do make those adjustments. And yeah. so it's been cool to kind of be able to collaborate and talk to, um, you know, these companies and, and sort of develop with them. I think a lot of people often think that the freelance world, the the small startup world is really highly competitive. Um, I like to think of it as a lot more collaborative Mm -hmm. um, and that there's a ton of room. There's a ton of open space for people to to be creative, to create videos or photos or whatever they're making and and for it to be a harmonious ecosystem rather than a a big, you know, dog versus dog kind of uh, fight for, for work. And I mean, you're, you, you, kind of have invented almost your own space Mm -hmm. in this video industry and it just goes to show that it's it's wide open yeah it it certainly is and I think that you know with us you know here in Hawaii you know we're we're a hub where there's so much activity going on and there's so much different industries of course tourism is big but just the business side that there's a there's a lot of people that we haven't even tapped yet you know and and our potential client list is long and, I, you know, I don't even know that we can get to those clients because of the amount of volume that we have. So there's definitely space for that. And I will say that, you know, people are looking to us, you know, uh, I know that you get flown around, but, you know, we have we're getting flown to other parts of the country to do work. So it just goes to show that, you know, it doesn't in this day and age, you're not confined to a location. You know, mm-hmm. we are doing projects. You know, I just got back from Maine. I never thought I'd go to Portland, Maine for a project, but. Um, you know, we did. And, and so there, there's opportunities out there that exist beyond just um, Hawaii. And, and there's, I think they were right. You know, we should celebrate everyone's success. For sure. Well, what are some things that are coming up for RKT or for you personally that you're excited about? You know, it, it, there's, there's a few projects that we're working on um, that have not been finalized yet. So we're still trying to, we're try to, still trying to navigate that. But I think all in all, you know, we're, we're just looking to continue to provide that service to our clients. Um, you know, we, we have a few new clients that we're bringing on board that we're going to be actively involved with. Um, you know, and, and I think that for me personally, you know, I, I love this, you know, what we've been able to create. And I want to be able for it to sustain itself without me, you know, so I'm trying to navigate a way where I can continue to pull back 
more and more. Um, and our, our team is allowing me to do that and allowing me to not necessarily be as involved in the daily project management side of things. Um, so, I mean, the ultimate goal for me would just be for the company to be able to run itself self-sufficiently and, and for me to really work on and concentrate on more high-level things on the business side. Um, you know, long-term, I'm going to sound weird, but I really want to open up a restaurant. Nice. <laughs> I want to, like, it's just, I know completely, like, nothing to do with this. Um, but, you know, that's that's one of my, like, dreams is to open up a bar. And uh, we'll see. We'll see in, like, five years where that is. But, um, you know, there, there's a lot of things that I, I still want to do. And I want this company to continue to succeed. But, like I said, I, I have to continue to build a team that I can trust so that, when I sort of pull back and, and step back that they can still manage it and, and they've already proven that they can. So it's funny that you say you want to start a restaurant or a bar. I've talked to my team and told them that one day it'd be fun to, to work on like a coffee shop. Yeah. Just some completely different. different. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't know what appeals, you know, it's, it's been a dream of mine for years and my dad always said, you know, if, if I had ever, if I ever used, he, he just basically says that it's the wrong industry to get into. And we see so many, you yeah. know, of those failing failures, but I think that's one of the challenges is like, people always say, oh, don't get into the restaurant business because, you know, there's a lot of work and there's a lot of failure in it. But, you know, I, I have some friends who have restaurants and I've talked to them about it and it, it just, it interests me. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. And, and food is a universal language. It is. And yeah. We all need to eat. Yeah. And it, we, we would have great video content for oh, our yeah. food. We do <laughs> demonstrations of how to make this and that. And, uh, uh, it would, I think it would be, it would be a lot of fun. And I'm sure you got a lot of connections to yeah, get we'll that see. started. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Um, what are, some of the things that you personally are interested in outside of the video space? Like, what are some of the things that Ryan does? You know, I, like I mentioned earlier, for me, a lot of it is um, giving back. So, you know, for me, I, I spend a lot of time actively in, board in, in, in boards. And um, one of the things that really excite me and, and that I enjoy doing is serving. So, um, you know, being involved in, in Make-A-Wish Hawaii, uh, being a big brother and big bro- brothers and big sisters. I'm on the American Heart Board as well. Um, planning events, those kind of things, I think just come, kind of come naturally to me. It, it's sort of something that um, I like to do. And so outside of video, um, being involved in these organizations, being able to help plan events um, is something that I want to do more of and, and something that I, I enjoy doing. And so that's something that exists beyond just video for me. Very, very cool. And on, you know, Saturday, Sunday, um, what are the things that, that people wouldn't wouldn't think that you do that you're Ooh. doing all the time um i'm big on netflix so i you know just watching different netflix shows i play beach volleyball a lot on the weekends if i can try to get there out there twice a week um just going to the beach um doing you know just regular things hanging with friends doing game nights um there's nothing out of the ordinary i think that i do but it's very rare that i have a weekend like that where i just kind of don't have anything going on because there's just for me you know i i'm basically running doing three different jobs so there's always something going on and uh but in those moments those are the things i like to do very very cool well i'm, I'm stoked that you're able to stop in and, and just chat with us for a bit yeah how, how can people stay in touch with what with what's going on with you personally or with RKT Media. Tell us where you guys are on social or where they can find you. Yeah, so we're all over on social media, RKT Media Hawaii. Um, our website is rktmediahawaii.com. Um, you know, we also have newsletters that we send out now. And, um, 
you know, for me, I'm, I'm, I'm actually taking a break from social media just because I'm around it so much. I just needed a break. So I haven't been on in a, in a, in a week now and uh, it's kind of nice, but I'm usually pretty active on social media and uh, people can find me in there as, as Ryan Calais. So very, very cool. Well, thank you so much for thank your you. time. Thanks it's been for awesome. this opportunity. Yeah. yeah. It's so awesome to hear how far grit and determination can get you, even if you're not in the video space to begin with. There's so many different ways to carve out a niche for yourself, and Ryan definitely has done that with RKT Media. If you enjoyed this episode, I'm sure you'll love the others that we have on the channel. Make sure you subscribe to the Hawaii Shoots podcast and follow us on social media. We're on Facebook and Twitter at Hawaii Shoots and on Instagram at Hawaii underscore shoots and hope to connect with you in the digital spaces there. We've got a ton of great workshops coming up for the rest of the year. If you want to meet people like Ryan and a bunch of other creators from around Hawaii, make sure you check some of these out. And that's about it for now. We'll catch you on the next one. Aloha.